I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. I'm Connor Crockford. And we love to watch. We love to watch how you smoke your meat. You're eating out my heart and soul, babe. You're feasting on my better side. Whoever thought you'd be this way, girl, you never know what a pretty face can hide. Hey, Peter. Hey, Connor. Hey, guys. Hey, dudes. How's it going? Not bad. Wonderful. It's uh, dog days of summer. Yeah. It's uh, hot as hell out. Oh. I wanted to run, and it was a horrible, horrible mistake. <laughs> Are you starting a new segment, Peter, where we talk about your day outside of the podcast, or I'm not quite sure what you're doing here? Were we supposed to, like, watch a movie or something for this week? Well, we were just going to just wing it. We're definitely not supposed to just share our experiences as human beings. That's way outside the boundaries (laughs) of our podcast. I I thought this was a weather podcast. I was completely mistaken. My bad, guys. I'll uh, I'll sign off. (laughs) Yeah. You Con- became a meteorologist for this. Like, <laughs> we appreciate the research. Yeah, I, I really uh, Con- put some time into this. <laughs> Connor thought it was a travel uh, podcast and went and visited different motels. Yep. Um, <laughs> have you guys heard about the clown motel? No. There's some sort of clown motel somewhere out west, and for some reason, a lot of clowns congregate there. And the couple of people that have stayed there have just said they're all just like drunk degenerates <laughs> and have sex in the hallway. It's supposed to be really really horrible i i it's all i know about it is that there's a motel that is uh mostly filled with uh clowns so it's just like a modern child's nightmare yep so that definitely sounds like hell uh it is not the yeah. motel hell that we will be talking about today we will right. be talking about this is this is our first week of uh killbillies which is our second theme month that we're doing we have five weeks of redneck horror coming your way and it all starts here with 1980s motel Hell, we are joined by uh, Connor Malcolm Crockford. Hello. Oh, I'm sorry I said your last name weird suddenly. Um, <laughs> my mouth just gave up uh, for no reason. But yeah, Connor, why don't you help our audience get to know you by sharing three things about yourself in a segment that we call Three Things About Yourself. Oh boy. Um, well, I'm in a band called Tin Flowers. I play around Boston. I have a photocopy of my MRI scan up on my wall, so I always remember my mortality. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the two Netflix DVDs that I have with me are <laughs> La Dolce Vita and Inside Out. I have seen That's one all. of those. I have not seen either. <laughs> I'm not proud. I actually went into the future and got my own skull, and I keep it on my desk to remind myself of my mortality. Good thinking. So I kind of kind of one-upped you there. Yeah. So, I have uh, a drawing of me that <laughs> I made with pencil, and every day I just erase a little bit from it. <laughs> <laughs> you just McFly your McFly yeah. family or yeah. a little bit. There goes um, part of my shoe. That's like, <laughs> that's basically Russ Cole's, like, hobby with drawing. That's what he'd do. <laughs> uh, Connor, uh, I think I kind of dropped the ball here with my whole life, but uh, this is a picture of your MRI. Is your MRI all right? Uh, I did a um, CAT scan for this Harvard project they were looking for to talk to and study autistic people, and uh, I couldn't do all the project, but they did have um, an MR- me do an MRI scan of my brain just to see what it was like. Um, so I got $100 for that. Not bad. That's awesome. Yeah. Doing an MRI is just a strange experience. I did it once. Uh, yeah. I had a concussion, and I would not like to do it again. No. Is, is it as bad as it was in uh, The Exorcist? Because I've never had one before. 
Uh, I don't, I don't even this. remember there being an MRI in The Exorcist, Peter. It's pretty uncomfortable. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I remember in college there just being all sorts of opportunities to make like weird money. Oh, yeah. Little, also, like I went to Loyola, so there were all these weird tests through the different medical programs there to like... You want to make uh, $15 an hour? You want to make $30 right. an hour? And it's just like, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll go try these food additives. <laughs> the city made it really hard to sell your plasma, so I need yeah. to find some other way to whore myself out. <laughs> they wouldn't pay you for plasma where I, where I lived, so that was the thing. Oh, not, not in Chicago either. No, oh, my God. Chicago, at least. Like, if you trip and cut yourself, they'll pay you for plasma around here. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah, it is. I, I, I actually, I never did it, but that was a very consistent form of income for a lot of my friends friends in mm-hmm. college. So anyway, so we're going to get started uh, with our one and only segment tonight. We're going to do a, a new game. So this movie is called Motel Hell, which brings together two concepts, which is the concept of uh, a motel, a place that you pay money and you get to stay overnight, and hell, which is uh, eternal damnation in the lake of fire. So we're going to have a little quiz, five questions each between Connor and Peter, and this game is called Motel versus Hell. I'm going to read you a passage, and you need to tell me, is this a quote from Dante's Inferno or a Yelp review of a motel? (laughs) That's perfect. All right, so we're going to play a game of Motel versus Hell. Who wants to go first? Me. All right, Connor. All right. Motel versus Hell, your first one. Is this a quote from Dante's Inferno or a Yelp review of a motel? Mm -hmm. Lying in a feather bed will not bring you fame, nor staying beneath the quilt. And he who uses up his life without achieving fame leaves no more vestige of himself on earth than smoke in the air or foam upon the water. Is that a Yelp review of a motel or a passage from Dante's Inferno? Oh, God. I'm guessing Inferno. That is correct. It is not a Yelp review of a motel. (laughs) (laughs) How'd you do that? I, I don't know. I mean, that was just a really lucky guess. I was actually, like, stumped. <laughs> All right, Peter. Well, let's see if you can repeat the magic that Connor just showed us. Peter, here's your quote. It was okay. Very old and outdated. Carpet was a bit dirty and old. Things have just appeared old and not that clean. Don't think I would stay here again. Is that from <laughs> Dante's Inferno <laughs> or a Yelp review of a motel? Uh, Yelp review of a motel. That is correct. That is from the Relaxin Motel in L.A. Yes. <laughs> so don't stay there based on that guy's <laughs> opinion. All right. Connor. All right. Your turn. It is one to one. Um, I, I, a, a score that I would not be surprised if it stays pretty much on par throughout the course of this game. Yep. Uh, Connor, your quote, beware of roaches crawling the ceiling mirrors and falling onto you. Oh, uh, you know, this is a really hard one, but I'm going to take a stab at saying it's a Yelp review. It is a Yelp review. Correct. <laughs> How did I know? Uh, it, is, it is the Crown Motor Inn in Queens, New York. Oh, <laughs> sure. All right, Peter. Your turn. One to two. Connor is the lead. This is your chance to tie it again. I'm giving a second shot to tie it on up. Yep. You'll have a few more shots because Connor is going first. Is he not going to lose any points on this, do you think? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, you guys have been pretty on point. But, you know, a lot of stuff could happen as the game continues. If I thought I was replying to someone who would every return to the world, this flame would cease its flickering. But since no one has returned from these depths alive... If what I heard is true, I will answer you without fear of infamy. Now, is that from Dante's Inferno, or was that a Yelp review of a motel? (laughs) 
I don't know. I've stayed in a Days Inn before, and it sounds kind of similar, but I'm going to say it's from Dante. Now, are you sure? Because this flame would cease its flickering could be like one of the neon lights they use in the hallway. Right. Yeah, it, I can see how this could be a trick question. Yep. <laughs> um, and I'm going to stick with my answer. Okay, yeah. No, you're right. It's from Dante's Inferno. <laughs> um, Does Alex Trebek ever come out and be like, you sure, buddy? Uh, sure. Not as of yet, no. All right, Connor. It is 2-2. Two right. two. Peter took oh. back the tie. It is your chance here oh, to, to pull into lead. Here this you go. a real Cinderella story. Pretty nice looking place. Not one of the cheaper places in the area. The rooms are clean and the service is friendly, but you can find just as good a place in the same area for a lower price. Also, be careful for the crackheads down the street. Is that <laughs> from Dante's Inferno? Or is that a Yelp review of a motel? This is pretty challenging because... Dante did, you know, talk about crockheads a lot in each yeah. of the trilogy. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go with Yelp Review. Final answer? Final Which answer. is a thing that started being in play in this game. <laughs> can I phone a friend? Uh, sure. You can phone Peter. Peter, <laughs> help me. No, you can't do it over the mic. You literally have to call him while we're having this Whoa. conversation. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, Or you can just, Dante or you, or you can say final answer. It's up to you. You know what? I'm sorry, but final answer. Okay, yeah, you are correct. Uh, that is uh, from a Motel 6 in Atlanta, Georgia. Not from Dante's Inferno. All right. Peter, you, you're losing. I hate to tell you this. 3-2, um, yeah, it's your chance to tie it. Every time. Yep. Um, um, <laughs> not foliage green, but a fusk color. Not branches smooth, but gnarled and intertangled. Not apple trees were there, but thorns with poison. Is that a review of a motel? Or from Dante's Inferno. Did you say the word fusk? I did, but of a fusk color. <laughs> That's and, a word that and, people definitely have used in the past three and, years. And I will say this. <laughs> this might, I, I want to make sure you have all the information. Color in this, either the review or Dante's Inferno, is spelled C-O-L-O-U-R. Fancy. <laughs> Fancy. Oh, a bit of a poet stayed in a Motel 6, did he? <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> I'm going to go with Dante again. That is correct. 3-3, three, three, tied up oh. again. Connor, 3-3. Three, three. On, on another note, does anybody ever go to Alex Trebek and be like, I got a place to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe cut one, of the, cut one of the rows. I got I to go, man. 3-3. <laughs> three, three. Right, right. Hit us, Aaron. Connor. All right. Okay, it's cute and has charm, but this place desperately needs new beds, and the free parking is limited. If you get this... If you get this, this is my second sleepless night because of this horrible bed with a pit and a slope in it. Free parking does not make up for a crappy night's sleep. Now, it's either Inferno or a motel review, uh, but the pit and the slope sounds pretty Divine Comedy-ish. So, what do you think it is, Connor? It's a, it's a nice poetic touch, but I'm going to have to go with the Yelp review. Yeah, that is correct. Def definitely a Yelp review mm -hmm. uh, in Marina Motel in San Francisco. Peter, oh, really? your chance to tie it up uh, once again. Turn around and keep your eyes closed shut, for if the Gorgon, Medusa, does appear and you see her, you would not be able to return upward. Now, that could be from Dante's Inferno, or uh, Medusa and the Gorgon could be the manager at a motel that was featured in a Yelp review. Yeah, people are naming their children such weird, stupid names now. Right, yeah. see. I could see that being uh, a name. Um, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with a motel. Uh, that's incorrect. Oh man, <laughs> that was that was from Dante's Inferno, Peter. Oh is no! Really, 
I, I'm not that familiar. I played the uh, God of War-like game, Dante's Inferno. Yep. But I uh, never read the original text. All these quotes were featured in that game. Uh, not the not the ones from Dante's Inferno, but the Yelp reviews. <laughs> <laughs> this is your last one, Connor. This would put away the game, even though we are still going to ask Peter his last question. Sure. Um, no matter what, really. Connor, I arrived and was checked in quickly. I was told the front desk parking was not included in the room price, to which I said, fine, add it to my room bill. I was told that this was done. However, when I checked out, I found out that my card that I used was for incidental fees, like if I'd ordered a movie or room service or something was used. I directly instructed the front desk person to add the $68 parking cost to my room bill, my business credit card on file, and this was kind of the icing on the cake for the whole experience. Now, was that the experience of being in Dante's Inferno, or the experience of staying at a motel? Dante sounds mildly petty, but I think I'm going to have to go with the Yelp review on this one. Is what clued you in the fact that he used a $68 American currency? Right. Was that... Parking. General For parking. parking. <laughs> okay, yeah. I can see where you could parse out those clues into a yeah. correct answer. 5-3, you've definitely won. Peter, yeah. we're going to give you at least a chance to feel a little better. So, Peter, is this from a Yelp review of a motel or Dante's Inferno or Dante's Inferno? <laughs> Sorry, you're just you're so used to reading it in the original language. <laughs> yep. Midway in our life's journey, I went astray from the straight road and woke to find myself alone in the dark wood. How shall I say what wood that was? I never saw so drear, so rank, so arduous a wilderness. Its very memory gives a shape to fear. Death could scarce be more bitter than that place. But since it came to good, I will recount all that I found there revealed by God's grace. How I came to it, I cannot rightly say. So drugged and loose with sleep, had I become when I wandered there with the true way. But at the far end of the valley of evil whose maze has sat my very heart with fear, I found myself a little hill and lifted up my eyes. Its shoulders glowed already with the sweet rays of the planet whose virtue leads men straight on every road, and the shining strengthened me against the fright whose agony had racked the lake of my heart through all the terrors of the piteous night. Now, was that a Yelp review? Or from Dante's Inferno? It is... Trick question. It's from the Dante's Inferno video game. Uh, it is actually from a uh, Yelp review for uh, a Motel 6 in Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> trick answer. Beautiful. It was actually from Dante's Inferno. You've heard of a trick question? That's a trick answer is what I just did. So, Connor. Wow. Connor knows way more about uh, whether something is a motel or uh, hell than yes. Peter is what we just learned. <laughs> You certainly find a really nice way to uh, congratulate our winners on this show, huh, Aaron? Yeah. Oh, I said Connor was better than you at something. Is that not how you prefer <laughs> me to congratulate people? At a very applicable <laughs> skill. Yeah. <laughs> I can use this everywhere. You have no idea. Oh, and it is going like, on a resume. Yeah. I offer my skills. If you are going to make reservations at a hotel, before you go there, let me go, stake it out a little bit. And I'll come back and be like, don't worry, not the pit of darkness. It's right. just a motel and they have HBO. This that is, is a good service. This is not a layer of hell. It's it's just a, a, a hotel. There are some sex stains, <laughs> but don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah don't it's worry about it. Don't go into room 109 and you won't go through the uh, sixth circle. Right. That was a really great game, Aaron. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's You're, good. Thank you, guys. Makes me feel really good. <laughs> um, I appreciate all the positive reinforcement of that. All right, so now that we've talked about motels versus hell, who wants to talk about motel hell? All right, I would love to. And the carpet you cover a smile in murder. And the turkey you vengefully slide in murder. So, five-second recap is... 
uh, hotel managers serve the best meat. Um, they plant people. They eat people. That's pretty good. Yep. That's pretty good. I got it. Farmer Vincent and his sister are uh, running a motel in the south, and uh, they're famous for their smoked meats. And they, uh, what people don't know about their smoked meats is that they gather them from basically killing people off of a local highway. They set up a little trap for them and then uh, blow out their tires, setting them up in this little uh, garden patch where they, they get them ready to be processed into meat. At the beginning of the movie, Farmer Vincent finds a woman named Terry that he is smitten with and decides to not uh, add her to the uh, human cabbage patch but to actually take her in. And um, his sister starts to get a little jealous of her, starts to conspire to try and kill her. His brother, who's uh, the sheriff of the county, who isn't really in on these plans, decides to try and romance her at the same time that Vincent is. And then as the movie comes to a head, it becomes a uh, romantic conflict between the two brothers and a uh, familial conflict between Vincent and his sister over the girl. And eventually ends with a chainsaw battle. Mm-hmm. That it does. So I'm going to kind of show my hand a little bit. Part of the reason that I wanted to do this movie and do this whole month uh, and I pushed for it was uh, I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which we're going to be covering at the end of the month Ooh. with Zach Groden. And it has a very similar sort of tenor in a lot of ways. And I, we, don't, we shouldn't talk about that now. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, definitely not. But just uh, because I have not seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah, but as a similar sort of tenor, and so this month we're going to start with Motel Hell, which is cannibal horror comedy. It has sort of an EC Comics campy quality to it, mm-hmm. and then we're going to end the month with one of the strangest horror comedies ever made. One of the strangest movies I've seen, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and uh, yeah, so we're to begin with Motel Hell. This is the first time seeing it for Connor myself, so uh, Peter, as the person who kind of uh, pushed, this was actually one of the first titles when we we were talking about doing this podcast you were like and we need to do motel hell that was like probably in your first five uh titles that you pitched uh for this podcast so why don't you tell a little bit about your history with it and your general thoughts on the movie and then uh connor and i can share our general thoughts uh our preconceptions going in and just you know a couple sentences on what we thought of the movie and then we can dig down to some bigger themes yeah, so I pushed for Motel Hell and uh, Redneck Horror Month in general because I noticed that it is a, a subgenre that is pretty diverse in terms of offerings. It's not all Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 or um, Rob Zombie, Devil's Rejects type movies. It's, it's got entries that are sort of just laughing at, you know, simple hicks and, and their their stupid ways and it's got some entries that are more sympathetic to locals or kind of understand cultural diversity and picked a handful of entries that are both sympathetic and not sympathetic to rednecks in redneck horror movies and I picked Motel Hell because it's a movie that I think isn't talked about that much for being a movie that's really tonally consistent. You get a lot of cheapo horror movies that sort of were riffing on, and riffing is a very generous term, sort of riffing on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You get a lot of those, but a lot of them tr- tried to capture that grungy feel, and none of them quite did. 
Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is kind of like this like gross masterpiece. Like it's a masterpiece of like rust and dirt and grime. And Motel Hell is a very different beast. It's a horror comedy, so it's got a sort of campy tone to it. It's still definitely a horror movie, but it's got psychedelia in it, and it's got some sort of social commentary, clumsy as it is. And uh, yeah, I pushed for it because it's like I was just saying, it's it's kind of of a piece with itself doesn't feel like it's a comedy and then it's a horror movie it feels, it feels like every scene was a concerted effort to to kind of make one whole goofy statement i'd never heard of it which is very weird for me because i besides just you know having an interest in movies and watching a ton of movies especially i mean 80s horror movies is one of my sweet spots for oh i'll watch this almost no matter what but on top of that i worked at a video rental store for three years so i mean even if i hadn't seen a movie like this there's a good chance I was aware of it. And for some reason, I had never fucking heard of this movie. I don't know how, but it was just a, a weird blind spot. And, I, and after um, Peter talked about bringing it on the show, I kind of kept it that way. I really didn't look up much about it and didn't read anything about it. Didn't even read a basic like IMDb description. So I knew nothing about this movie going in, which is kind of a rare treat at this point um, in my movie watching life. Because, you know, to not even know, like the plot description or a basic here's a one word what it's about i didn't know there was a chainsaw in it i didn't know uh, i didn't know there was a pig mask i didn't know and i think this is actually the one of the more important parts is i didn't know if it was uh trying to be a comedy or not and i figured it out about an hour into the movie i can tell you the exact Mm -hmm. spot that I was like, this is absolutely trying to be funny. And I think sometimes why that's hard to tell with 80s movies, especially 80s horror movies in general, is that, you know, when you use cheap actors or non-actors, and, and I'm not saying that, that this movie did that, but they sometimes always had a weird heightened sense uh, that came from, you know, some, some interesting directing choices and um, maybe cast that weren't as experienced or something like that. So sometimes, you know, that's why we have, like, kind of campy or goofy horror movies. This was a big boon for it. But a lot of those movies were campy despite themselves or uh, supposed to be funny despite themselves. About the scene where the swingers come into town was when I finally decided, like, yeah, this is a comedy and it's meaning to be a comedy. Um, And and that's not to say I wasn't enjoying it before that. I actually I was really liking it. And I I liked it even more after, like, I finally decided what it was trying to do. It definitely... uh, kind of existed in this nebulous region for the first hour where I'm like just didn't even know what they were trying to do and and, and that is kind of aided by the fact that it is it's a weirder movie than most cannibal movies or redneck horror movies or something like that there's probably a good chunk of my notes that is like okay what are they doing with the growing people and I had no idea what they were going for and then after the swinger scene when it's like okay they're trying to be funny everything kind of came together and yeah i really enjoyed this movie connor what was your thoughts yeah so this is really funny because um so my father my my parents had roger ebert's home video companion from like 1985 and so (laughs) these were all the movies in the past five years that were on home video right so i would just read all the reviews of these movies i'd never seen so one of them was motel hell and you know so i'm reading about farmer vincent's fritters and I'm like, oh my god, this sounds, even to my child mind, I'm like, this sounds crazy and kind of fun. 
What's funny is, so earlier this month, I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time, and I I was really stunned by it. I didn't know what to expect, per se. I was blown away. I mean, it was terrifying. But it's interesting because Motel Hell is so opposite of that movie because Texas Chainsaw Massacre is pretty serious, whereas Motel Hell is, you know, comedic. They're both actually pretty similar because they don't have any gore. They really don't to speak of. You know, they both are kind of not misanthropic, I would say, kind of absurd and amused by people. Like Leatherface, you know, dressing as the mother, the swingers. Like, they're kind of similar, playing around with people being kind of ridiculous and then seeing what that gets them in the end, which is turning to meat. Yeah, I really enjoyed it a lot. I liked the absurdity of it. The performances are all all pretty fun. Like... They're all actors kind of really enjoying themselves, especially Rory Calhoun. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great in this. Um, That was one of my notes. (laughs) Rory Calhoun is great. And... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Rory Calhoun definitely has a name that's like, oh, he was a guest star in Dragnet at some point. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I looked him up after because I was curious about him. And Rory Calhoun has been in everything. He was in How to Marry a Millionaire. He was in Westerns, musicals. He worked for everybody. He was in a 80s soap opera called Capital, I think. Um, he <laughs> that star- is the most 80s yes. soap opera name I can think of. Well, it's because he, he, he turned down the role of Larry Hagman's character in Dallas, and he always felt oh. stupid about that. Um, but he has, he has a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame because he was in everything for years. He was a working actor. Yeah, and uh, to get back to something else you said, um, it's funny that you read this in Ebert's book. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, Ebert actually really liked this movie, which was kind of rare at the time because Ebert kind of had a notorious uh, distaste for a lot of horror movies, not all, but the kind of more gory, extreme or even in sometimes comedic, he wasn't a big fan of. And and so it was always hard to trust, I think, Ebert in any sort of, like, extreme movie. He, that was, like, the one era. Ebert's one of my favorite critics of all time. I'm sure oh, yeah. most of us would say that. But when it came to any sort of, like, extreme horror or comedy or action movie, it was always something that, the, like, I knew that that's where my taste didn't align with Ebert. So anytime I watch something that I enjoy like this, like of uh, Motel Hell's ilk, I kind of always assume it's going to get a bad review from Ebert. So I was surprised in my research that he really liked this, even though he did talk about it. He like he kind of had a weird vernacular for horror <laughs> movies in the 80s where he called everyone sleezoids. Yeah, or um, freak show movies or stuff. Yeah. yeah. What I would disagree with him on, and this is going to kind of talk about the comedy a little bit, like I think this is a very funny movie that's also trying to be scary. But mm-hmm. I definitely did not get the sense from this movie. Like he called it the airplane to Texas Chainsaw Massacre's airport. And while I think there's a lot of humorous elements of this movie, like, I don't think that this is a straight attempt at parody or satire of the genre. I think it's a horror movie with a lot of funny comedic elements, some some satirical elements, but I still think it is going for, like, Airplane is not at any point or any of those movies are going for the thrill, quote-unquote, of airport. This movie is trying to push a lot of normal horror buttons, which makes sense from the history of the screenplay, where this started as a straight horror movie and then kind of went into a comedy once uh, the director got involved. Yeah, I mean, on that note, you know, it's interesting to read that, yeah, that it was not strictly a black comedy. And yeah, he mentions that in his review, and watching it, it's it's not a parody, really. It's more of a jokey 
version of that kind of horror movie. Um, it's aware of how silly and, and crazy this idea is. Like, you know, like there's a lot of ridiculous gags, like him putting up the board of cows in the middle of the yeah. highway, you know, where <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not strictly a parody, but it's definitely the movie kind of winking at itself and, and saying like, this is silly as hell. And it's fun. Yeah. I think yeah. it's definitely more silly than satirical. Right. Yeah, exactly. Airplane. Everybody is in on the joke. There's like no straight man. Really? Mm-hmm. Everybody is acting insane. No one's there to like, be like, Oh, you're a real goof. There's, there's no like <laughs> foil to, to the insanity in airplane. And that's part of the fun. Uh, is that you, it's basically like stepping into a cartoon. In this, it's like Terry for most of the movie until towards the end, she's like, uh-huh, um, I'm not sleeping with you, Sheriff. Um, yeah. And like, um, so what happened to my friend? And then she like has an actual emotional moment. Like, it, it, they're like real characters mixed in with with the, uh, the larger-than-life goofballs. Yeah. I feel like it's more of like a Return of the Living Dead thing where yeah. they love these movies, but they didn't want to approach it with a sort of somber, super direct approach. The movie's target has nothing to do with other movies so much as its target is on cattle farming yeah. and factory farming and people that eat factory farming food and it's it's probably in line with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and 2 that like it could be interpreted as like vegetarian horror. I read a script by the Wachowskis a bunch of years ago called Carnivore Ooh. that never got made that's also in the same vein. These like horror movies that are like super super grisly but they're actually hippie movies at their core this is probably this probably qualifies as that. Yeah I mean I don't think the movie is satirical other movies you're right i think it's actually just i don't know if i'd call it misanthropic but it's just very satirical of people and how we will selectively not think about you know what we eat because it's just easier not to think about the process or what's in it you know we just go oh it's meat or it's fritters you know that's (laughs) that's animals you know you have to think about that but this family tries really hard Oh, to yeah. hide it from people. Or they're just <laughs> people about, like, oh, it's, it was a dog. We killed a dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the... Yeah. the, the <laughs> I, I think that's probably the movie's sharpest point, and maybe they didn't even intend it um, yeah. this way. It's not so much that people don't care about what's in their food. It's that they're not even trying to hide how bad this food is for you, and people are still, in this case, that it's clearly made with these nefarious means. Like they immediately share that with her about the dog stuff, yeah. um, and it kind of like it kind of reminds me of, like hot dogs. Like no one thinks, everyone knows that hot dogs is just garbage meat, and everyone still eats them. This is not a case of like the the food industrial complex uh, passing off something as healthy. It's that people know that there's something seriously off about what they're eating and they still eat it and that absolutely includes myself because i like hot dogs yeah (laughs) it's true um connor are you uh are you also a carnivore did you do you you also eat meat so i was a vegetarian for about two years but it is pretty difficult if you're picky like me like uh, (laughs) i just don't like a lot of certain vegetables like i think tomatoes are terrible you know the texture is all wrong so (laughs) <laughs> um, it's just, uh, it's, it's difficult not to eat meat. Um, but you know, I do sometimes get this really nihilistic self-aware quality about it where I'm like, I'm eating a cow. There's something <laughs> really wrong with that. And I know that, but it's delicious and I should stop, but I'm not going to. So it's a, it's a constant <laughs> back and forth with me. Yeah. We're, it was just, I was just curious because, um, yeah. 
I think if you're like a normal person in 2016, you think about it, you're like, do I eat too much meat? Should I be eating meat? Like, even if you have no intentions of ever becoming a vegetarian or yeah. vegan, it's something to at least, uh, I'm going to skip past a pun. It's something to at least think about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you were going to say chew on, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, actually, I think most of the actually, like, I don't, they weren't trying for this at all. This is like 36 years ahead of anything but actually it struck me the way he says there are no or, or there are no preservatives or bad hormones in this at all i was like this is really prescient of the whole grass-fed fad and phenomenon <laughs> yeah which I'm, I'm pretty it's cynical totally, about. yeah it's yeah. totally true it's, yeah. it's totally true his final death <laughs> confession, <laughs> confession is is i did use preservatives which is one of the few belly laughs that i got in the yeah movie. most of the laughs are just sort of like <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of dark and humorous. Yeah, like, that feels like a very specific. Like if if the whole movie had been filled with stuff like that, I feel like the uh, parody or airplane comparisons would be more apt. I agree. Yeah, that was the biggest yeah. laugh in the movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like all natural, preservative free earlier right, in the movie, right, and I right. was like, and I was like, that's the sort of shit that they say now. Exactly. It's even funny, like. And even, I mean, I fall for it too. Like I yeah. went to, um, on a road trip recently, I was driving through like a pretty barren town, a pretty small town. And then I had to stop in a gas station and there was just like, yeah, like a little fridge with some local, local, uh, jerky in it. And it had all of that shit. Try and get like, uh, you know, people that care about that stuff. Uh, on the on the packaging like all natural preservative free you can't get it healthier and more local right. than this like it's 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 pretty interesting because it's not just something that that people in cities fall prey to it's something did, that everybody kind of did that have as catchy of a slogan as uh this is it <laughs> because <laughs> honestly that is the worst slogan i have ever heard first I know it has an exclamation point at the end, but it's it could be read so many different ways. Like smoked meats, this is it. This is it. This is it. This is like, it. <laughs> like it's um, that is a look. That's a bad slogan. I, and they hey, they've got so many better between Vincent and Ida. They've got so many other more clever phrases. I wrote down a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, it takes all kinds of critters to make yeah. fun of Vincent's fritters. That's my favorite that's one. But again, yeah, all, also a little bit of a hat tip because yeah. it seems like it just takes. If, if you're trying to sell the idea that you're not eating people or something uh, sketchy, it's just one kind of meat. It's pigs. Right. Um, <laughs> if you're saying it takes a bunch of different kinds of meats, uh, there's something else going on. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't say these are public-facing slogans, but, I mean, <laughs> it shows that they've got a bit more creativity than <laughs> this is it. And also, meat's meat and man's got to eat. Yep. <laughs> that um, was right, yeah. If this is when when your slogan can be applied to any product, uh, it's a bad bad slogan. That's, like, that's not, that's like, like Carl's funeral home. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> you were waiting for it. Come on down. Yeah. Um, actually, it reminds me of this uh, joke I once saw about how if you were at Hannibal Lecter's dinner party and he was making all those cannibal jokes. You would go, oh, this guy's a, there might be something wrong with the food. This guy yeah. is making jokes like he's yeah. a cannibal. There's something wrong here. <laughs> yeah, you've never been to a dinner where someone's like, so it's like, I hope they get the point. I put razor blades in your turkey. <laughs> right. yeah, nobody would ever, nobody, <laughs> nobody, does nobody would ever be comfortable. 
Just to be clear, like I am poisoning you. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I think especially in the TV show, you're supposed to be like kind of giggling at oh, yeah. um, the, the, the rich fools who are just like happily gobbling up Lecter's delicious foods. But yeah, exactly. In real life, you'd be like, Hey, this guy's kind of fucking weird. Well, you know, like leave. I'd be kind of, I'm not gonna lie. Whenever I watch the show, I'm jealous of them because it looks amazing. All of the it food. does look amazing, doesn't it? It does. Oh, it looks amazing. Like it makes me want to cook, and then I feel terrible. <laughs> I, I still, I still think though that uh, when they were using all those different slogans that kind of tipped their hat, like yeah. if those slogans didn't tip off Terry that something weird was going on. Um, that was followed by uh, Rory Calhoun's character getting very upset, which, first of all, right. if you're making uh, jokes about dogs being killed and maybe we ate them and stuff, and then someone gets really upset and tries to stop you from speaking, that's that's almost worse. Because if you just let the joke play out, you go, well, no one stopped them from speaking. So everyone understands it's a joke. Um but not only does he try to stop his sister from speaking, he uh, punches her in the stomach a couple times. Yeah. Which uh, feels like it was a little hard to be sympathetic for Terry because it feels like that whole picnic really should include in Terry that maybe get the fuck out of here. Now, having said that, uh, you're kind of a special sort of person if you your, your boyfriend dies on the way to somewhere, you stay at a hotel and then immediately are like, well, I guess I'm living with these people now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think that she kind of is, by the end of the movie, like I said, she's kind of a straight man for a lot of the movie. And then I think she's kind of, um, she kind of falls in with them and she kind of becomes just as crazy as them in certain ways. It's just she's she won't take that last step. Like, she wants to learn the smoking business and stuff. And they don't... Do they even really give her a chance? Like, Not they yet. drug her. Yeah. And then they, they drug her, and then their plans all fall apart. They didn't really give her a chance to join the business. Like, who knows what would have happened if they had, like, eased her in. Can I just say, I thought Terry was a little weird as a person throughout the oh, movie. she's a weird, weird <laughs> shit. Yeah. She's just, like, saying to this, like, very old man, take me, Vincent, take me now. And I'm like, okay, you have problems that might go back before this farm ever happened. I think that's the movie's problem, because I, I have a note yeah. here that, like, every attractive woman in this movie oh, yeah. is is with a man much older than her. And considerably it is, it is less not, attractive. Yeah, it is not just Terry. It is yeah. um, the swinger couple that comes when when they find the people having sex in the car. Like, it's, it's like a 20-year-old girl and then, like, a 50-year-old guy that they're having sex in the car. Like, this movie has a serious thing about um, younger women being attracted to much, much older men. And I definitely don't think that's supposed to be a point. I think it's just a really weird thing that makes me question the casting director. I don't, like, <laughs> there's, I think you could make a point for, like, Terry and Rory Calhoun's character having maybe some sort of point they were trying to make, but the fact that, like, it's the case for every couple in this movie, yeah. like, there's three examples of couples in this movie, or three examples of of younger women in this movie that are, like, dating a, a, a man, and all those men are, like, twice to three times their age. So, I, I don't see a satirical point or a horror point. It, it just no. feels like a pervy casting director. I think it was also, like, this weird trend in the late 70s almost too that yeah. you know considerably unattractive men would be be matched up in movies with very attractive women 
and it's it's a little weird now almost it's super it, weird because i think and maybe this is this is gonna get super superficial maybe yeah. but i think when that happens now the men look like george clooney they don't look like you know your trailer park uncle who is like has gangrene <laughs> and has you know like it, it is a weird creepy yeah uh contrast i guess everyone everyone thought they were jack nicholson in the 80s apparently <laughs> rory calhoun is uh quite a dapper man but uh, yeah he doesn't compete with with terry terry is like i didn't actually look up the the actor but uh terry kind of looks like she was a playboy model that got pulled for this movie uh, i don't know her background probably could have done some science and research oh but so she just see yeah, you she actually that. became a casting director. Her name is Nina Axelrod. No kidding. No, actually, you mentioned that, but there was one character, I think, the, the actress who plays Debbie, um, who is with her friend when they get stopped by the cows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think she was a Playboy playmate. I looked that up. Like on, oh, really? It was in the IMDb trivia, yeah. Yeah, yeah two, actually, two of them were. Uh, the Swinger yeah. and uh, the Swinger woman, yeah. There was... Uh, that, I think that was also a very '80s thing, like mm-hmm. kind of uh, recruiting from recruiting from the pages of Playboy seemed uh, seemed somewhat prevalent for like extra bit parts in the '80s. Oh yeah, especially in I, suppose, I suppose it still happens now too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was that that. Well, I mean, it ended up being kind of a lie, but there was the the sort of myth that if you were a, a porn actress, if you wanted to get out of that line of work or you wanted to have longevity, you just had to get, get it, step into horror movies or comedies. Like Marilyn Chambers was in Cronenberg's Rabid um, in a pretty terrific role that she's amazing in, don't get me wrong. There's sort of a myth that you could become like a real, a legitimate actress through that. Um, that uh, And so that, yeah, I, I hope I wasn't being unfair by saying she seems like a playboy mom, but she was just like very traditionally attractive by 1980s standards and super, super thin. And she's like naked for a lot of the scenes. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like, it, it just, it's stank of that sort of 80s, like we hired a playboy model. She's going to take her top off. Yeah, well, I mean, that was also like the '80s movies uh, in in general, in especially general. Fr- from the horror movie uh, genre. As long as we're talking about the familial relationships, though, I uh, ho- I'm kind of hoping that someone else was confused by this, but it took me basically until Vincent agrees to marry uh, Terry's character. It basically took me until Vincent agrees to marry Terry that I realized that uh, Ida was not was not Rory Calhoun's wife. <laughs> Oh really? I, I caught that really. I, I caught that really early on. They have a very. I feel like once you know it, they have a very like. But they also have like kind of an old couple that kills people relationship too. <laughs> like I guess, I, like I can see it reading that way. Um, and I was like, I actually thought that the back half of this movie was going to be them trying to off uh, Ida, because now he's decided that he wants to marry uh, Terry. And he has to kill his wife, essentially. And that was kind of how it was going to work. Or, like, I and Ida was going to figure it out and try to kill uh, her first. And that, like, the whole thing on the on the inner tubes, I thought, was kind of playing out that she was jealous because now he she was worried that her husband was attracted to Terry. And, yeah, I was wildly confused uh, when uh, she was, like, toasting their wedding. I'm like, what the fuck is going on (laughs) i could see you making that mistake with the brother with vincent's brother um bruce the cop yeah um because like you you think you think i could make that mistake that they were married 
No, that they're they're not re- that they're like not related, but they're like uh, friendly. They're just like hanging out with each other. I could see you making the mistake with him. He's not in on the. He's like investigating the um, the ambushes, and he discovers basically uh, Farmer Vincent's plan, where he's knocking out the tires late in the movie, and he like kind of uncovers that that plan. Like he doesn't know any of this shit. He just thinks that he makes really good meat, and sometimes there's like, dogs and stuff in it. He doesn't think there's actual people in it. I didn't realize it was supposed to be his brother for a long time, and that's that stuff's kind of useless. Yeah, but, I got. I got. Yeah. yeah, I got that he was the brother. I still thought he was in on it until the very end. I mean, the movie could work in that regard because Ida still gets jealous of Vincent. She's like, well, he's the he's the man of the house. Maybe he can just bring this woman in and I can't say anything about it, but... Yeah, um, yeah I'm, it's very possible that I miss some sort of, you know, that's kind of one of the things about taking notes is sometimes you, like, miss a little line that then you get yeah. very confused later on when you're like, wait a second. She's that's she's a, weirdly a, okay with his with her husband marrying this younger girl. <laughs> um, yeah. And, that's uh, the thing about this movie it's so subtle you know yeah <laughs> a lot of layers guys i, I will Tons say I, I didn't pick up that uh bruce wasn't in on it until later in the movie i thought he was totally in on everything i think yeah. just because of the picnic yep oh no exactly the same when yeah. he was laughing about the dog stuff and i thought oh, that yeah, he, for sure and i yeah. thought that him um maybe not being as involved because his focus on that on the movie at this point is like he just is pursuing terry yeah. So him being involved with the meats and the meat creation um, is kind of a, unnecessary and superfluous for him at this point. Um, so as long as we are talking about meat creation, let's fucking talk about uh, they don't just kill people and eat them like most movies. They do stuff uh, that I've never seen in any other movie um, yeah. ever. This yeah. idea of like actually having to prepare the meat in this fucking cra- I mean crazy way I don't even know I'm not quite sure what they were going for except uh, making it super complicated and weird and a little funny as well but but holy shit so basically they, they kill people and then they kind of slit their throats they make this horrible bit though yeah and then they sew it open I was never quite clear what they were doing there they do make this terrible gurgling noise that is yeah. Consistently yeah. off-putting, and it I just wanted so, to stop. Yeah, and it is, uh, it's so gross. It's horrible. Yeah, it, it it never it never gets easier. <laughs> and uh, and then they they put like uh, they put funnels in their head. They basically plant them in the ground and are growing them like crops. But somehow they're still kept alive with uh, burlap bags over their heads. And I will say those bags uh, very very effectively creepy. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. The image, the first time you see the image of those shaking bags on the ground, like, it's a really creepy little horror image after you've seen so much goofy shit happening, like, Farmer Vincent making little winking nods at where his meat comes from, and these scenes where he's kind of fucking with the um, food inspector, or I guess the cattle inspector, doing the spot check, and then all of a sudden there's a scene where these, like, wiggling heads are are in the yard. Yeah, it's very creepy. Yeah, there's shaking, you know, back and forth. It's yeah, whoever of, um, whoever invented burlap was a fucking psycho, I guarantee. <laughs> like there is something about that material that's like this is terrifying just by yeah, seeing it. If, if it were like a 10% faster, it would be very Silent Hill or Jacob's Laddery where it's sort of like oh, yeah. amorphous features, but you can tell there's a head in there um and it's shaking really fast. Yeah, but I want you guys to walk me through a little bit cuz I just like I really liked it. I just don't know what they were 
like it's so weird awesomely weird but i just it's like i don't know if were they going for a point so okay so there's uh the whole point of the movie is if people treat cattle this way why would we not treat humans this way it's it's a commentary on you know the meat industry and factory farming and blah blah, blah. and i think that they're capturing these people storing them in the ground so they can't get away and then if anybody hears any noises on the farm because they cut their vocal cords, they think that it's just like a sick pig. Yeah. And they're keeping them in the ground until the time is ready. And I'm not sure if they're treating them in any way. I thought at first that they, this was going to be a movie where they were just fattening them up and just letting them get like big and big and bigger and bigger until they were like like a fatty cut with like no muscle because they've been made immobile by the ground, right? I thought that was going to be the deal, but they came out of the ground ready to go with no more fat gained. So I couldn't really tell what... I think the ground is just serving as a detention point for them. Just a very creepy detention point that underlies the point that they're treating humans like crops. Because it looks like a veg- a cabbage patch or a vegetable, yeah. sort of. Yeah, I definitely buy the uh, treating them more like crops. Because if they're trying to treat them like animals, it would be I think it would be slightly different. I, th- I think a lot of this is weirdness for weird sake. Mm. Um, oh, for sure. The, ve- the, the, the psychedelic stuff in there is yeah. clearly supposed to be like they could have just gassed them again before breaking their necks. But and yeah. and one and one of the people that is planted, uh, noted crazy person John Ratzenberger. I um, love that. Yeah, Ivan, Ivan and the Terribles. Yes, <laughs> the band that comes through town and they they st- Ooh, which, which is like a punk metal band. There's like <laughs> it's like that weird period right in 1980 when metal and punk are starting to cross over, and this, this movie gets to document it gloriously. <laughs> yeah i got excited when i saw that because i was yeah. like i was like this is sort of this is something that connor knows about knows about more than me so yeah. i figured you'd have a laugh at, laugh at that at yeah I, I was like yes inaccurate punk depictions in the 1980s are my favorite <laughs> jack Klugman, um, you know give me it all they look too like they have too much uh, of a concerted costume yeah to be real oh yeah it's great it's a great band and, name though too yeah, I've been in the terrible. Yes. It's also a good it's also a good example of how well I think this movie subverts expectations because so besides the fact that it has John Ratzenberger the the heavy metal band comes at about 20 minutes into the movie, which is like after it's established kind of what's going on, Terry's starting to live with the family, and now you have this kind of like van full of not quite teenagers although they may have been supposed to be teenagers that was another very <laughs> 80s horror thing but so whatever you see you have this 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 heavy metal punk band coming through and like you're kind of trained by horror movies to go okay so now these guys are going to get trapped and like the movie was going to shift focus to these people like we've established the villains we've established the damsel in distress and now here comes this fan full of quote-unquote heroes. Some of them are going to die, and eventually, but they're going to be like our point-of-view characters to confront uh, the the meat makers. And instead, nope, just a van pull nope. people that get immediately uh, <laughs> out of the equation and then planted <laughs> into the ground with their vocal cords cut. John Ratzenberger yeah. doesn't get to say a fucking line. No, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny because they give them way too much personality. Yeah, for that like they, you're like, oh, they they're not just gonna. They're not just going to make these guys into victims right away. Like, they're going to have some time to at least fight back um, because they've given them a band name. Yeah. Their own own little costume. Right. Like, 
Ratzenberger's in it, which Ratzenberger was also in, I think, House 2. Yeah. House 1 had... Um, George Went. Yeah, George Went. It's kind of funny seeing these guys, these, like, sort of funny character actors pop up in these old movies, like, before they were they were anything. You're like, oh, Ratzenberger was, <laughs> was skinny back then. Yeah. Well, and there's Not nothing... Skinny, that- skinny, but skinny. <laughs> And there's nothing that 80s movies liked more than having, like, punk or heavy metal band members as the heroes of their movie. Oh, yeah. No question. <laughs> it, it'd be weird hearing Ratzenberger, like, if they didn't cut their vocal cords, it'd be weird hearing Ratzenberger be like, Yeah, come on, guys. Hey, guys, what, what are you doing to me? Hey, what is be, this? <laughs> Barack Obama's a secret Muslim. <laughs> uh, Wait, is, is Ratzenberger a, a... Oh, yeah, no, he's that's why I said noted crazy person. Oh, that sucks. You just ruined him for yeah. me. I just thought of him as well, a sweet te- dude from Toy Story and Cheers. Technically, he ruined him for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reporting what's occurred. <laughs> yeah, you're just reporting the truth, man. Yeah. Let's go back to the planting process, though, a little. So, like, what else did you guys make of this? What Connor, especially you, just having seen it for the first time along yeah. with me, like, were you like, what the fuck? This is awesome. Like, what are they doing? What, what were your thoughts? Uh, I was definitely in the what the fuck this is awesome camp. I mean, it's it's so warped. It really builds that dehumanization thing that, you know, they call them animals specifically. I take good care of my animals. Like he says that to her near the end. They don't suffer. I'm better at this than other farmers. Um, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and I love the imagery of them with their heads just up, you know, without any, with the burlap bags on, without any sights. You know, that there really are blinded, dumb animals. A lot of cannibal movies and adaptations are all about dehumanizing and, and the idea that in the end we're all animals. Like Sweeney Todd, a big theme of Sweeney Todd is cannibalism is actually a, a weird destruction of the hierarchy. Like in A Little Priest, they talk about that in the song, um, that it, it gets rid of the class system because in the end we're all just meat. <laughs> and, and Motel Hell is definitely kind of a example of that it doesn't matter if you're an fda inspector or a swinger or whatever you're still stuck in the ground with the rest of these poor bastards with your throat cut and you can't even talk you know you're you're nothing in the end it's horrible that's perfect yeah, yeah. that's a perfect interpretation so uh, yeah i i the sort of way that i interpreted it is very similar to you i was thinking about how they're actually kind of kind to their victims yeah if this is a riff on texas chainsaw massacre let's put them uh, right up against each other how does leatherface kill his first victim he chops him apart i think and then he throws how does he kill his first victim oh it's, it's, it's i think he puts him on a, on a sp- on the hook right no no the first is the hammer he just hits the kid with it and then the girl he puts in the meat hook I remember yeah, that. Yeah, he, he puts the girl in the meat hook, he hits the, 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 the one with the hammer, which yep. was, you know, before piston. That's how you put down cattle. Right. It's a swipe to the back of the head. Leatherface is using techniques that he would use on cattle. Yeah. And they're all brutal and direct and pretty horrible. But they're using gas to put them to sleep, and then they put them in the ground while they're asleep. And then their means of killing them is to put them under this sort of um, psychedelic high. This is, this is like this mesmatron kind right. of thing that they put down these things. And he says, Farmer Vincent says, go go farther and farther into a radical hypno high. <laughs> yeah, that's so. <laughs> that's a great sentence. It is. And then and then um, and gives them a death that's like. Um, with what we know about lethal injection, maybe more humane than, than lethal injection or firing squad. Yeah. Where the while they're still high, um, just tugs their their to break their necks with the the truck, and he's like, 
congratulating Ida for doing such a great job at, at making it like a painless kill. And um, and then afterwards he says, sometimes I wonder about the karmic implications of these. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> which is, that was such so a good funny, line, too. Which is which is basically like um, that's it's the movie uh, basically saying, like, these aren't the Sawyers from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. These aren't these these brutal people. They're they're being gentle with their cattle while they're still alive. And they're still monsters. Like it's sort of a commentary. It's like no matter how gentle you are with your cattle, you're still dehumanizing them and still treating them like cattle. I sort of stretch that out as well. I mean, they clearly care about uh, what they're doing because they've been keeping it up for a long time, and you have to think that at some point there was a conversation where they looked around and were like, "Hey." You know, we have all these pigs. Anyway, do you want to just maybe just make pork? Exactly. Like, <laughs> so yeah. we're doing a lot of work. People like pork. People like bacon. Would sales be affected that much if we just changed to, you know, acceptable meat instead of uh, killing people and planting them in the ground? Oh, right. but it's not just about the. It's not just about money for them because they're also like they're uh, proprietors of a motel. <laughs> well, they're that... also faux humanitarians. Ida turns to him and says, "You know, I'm not just doing this for for money. I hope the world will recognize what we're doing here." Right. And they're basically trying to like fight over population. Oh so, yeah. Like, this could be this could be a path to solving food problems and overpopulation at the same time, which is sort of a riff on. Um, uh, what's it? Uh, not a, not indecent proposal. What's that? John, what's that? What's that Swift piece that's talking about eating babies? Oh, modern proposal. Uh, a modest proposal. Uh, a modest, modest proposal. proposal. Yeah. yeah, you're right. A hilarious, hilarious, probably the funniest thing, funniest oldest thing I've ever read. Yep. Uh, <laughs> is about eating babies, and it's sort of a riff on that, where it's like, oh, if you don't want to deal with these these throngs of people that you have to you think you have to take care of then why don't we just you know start eating them to take care of that that population problem it's sort of a riff on that i think yeah that's i mean that explains why it wasn't the 2016 gop uh platform (laughs) it it is funny did anyone else still find it a little funny i get it there were other reasons for it but there were times throughout the movie i was like oh yeah they have a hotel like there's not that many hotels that are like known for their signature beef or meat products? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say roughly about zero. Yeah. It's also a terrible name for a hotel. Like, Oh, my God. It, I know. It's Motel Hello. And the only reason anyone would ever make that the name of a hotel is, like, hoping that the O goes out at some point. It's like right. it's like naming your hotel, like, Hotel Assets and hoping the E, T, and S burn out <laughs> at some point so that you can, like be like well i didn't mean to name my hotel hotel ass but well i can't control the sign so i don't want to i don't want to well actually you hear Aaron, but i was also thinking the same thing there was that was a common sign apparently at motels and i think the hotel is called like farmer vincent's hotel or something apparently that was a pretty common sign at the time no i know i I did my research too peter but thank you did you go to the imdb trivia section as well (laughs) i did yeah (laughs) i went i went to that I went to Wikipedia and I've read a couple reviews. That was actually what made me question it because uh, Ebert mentioned the Motel Hello sign as if it was a normal thing, and I'm like, "What? Wow, I did not know that." Funny. It's funny though too because like I remember watching the title credits and thinking someone should have fixed that O sign a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, what kind of incompetence yep. is this? 
<laughs> this guy. And also, like, that's the other thing that separates them from the Sawyers. They seem like they have their shit together. Yeah. Everything seems to be fairly organized. Like, even their little slaughter slaughter shop has jars that have labels on it. And, like, they have, like, a meat processing sort of system. Like, it's, it's not just, like, this, like, dirty metal bench that they, like don't bother cleaning between chops like it's it's uh they seem to have their shit like organized that's part of the reason that's kind of like creepy is that it has a it's also sort of riffing off of psycho yeah sort of riffing off psycho and texas chainsaw massacre i feel like these people would have also replaced the bulb on their sign no totally yeah i mean i'm from new hampshire and am surrounded by very i'm in a small town in new hampshire and i'm surrounded by very self-reliant competent people so it's fun to watch this movie where these self-reliant, competent people are also cannibals who kill like, <laughs> tons of people all the time. It's, it's, it's telling it's telling how little I know about New Hampshire that yeah. I wasn't sure if that was sarcasm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes and no. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you know these people are evil immediately. Farmer Vincent goes and takes out the, um, the, the bike that Terry and her, and her old man are on. Um pretty pretty yeah. into the movie so you, oh yeah the, the movie is from their pov like almost immediately the, the it's curious. also it's also suspicious like so when the when the cop comes the next day and uh you know the the boyfriend has died he's like i already i already buried him it, that is super suspicious not because someone would immediately bury a body without really waiting for contact authorities but like um i've never buried a body before uh surprising fact about me but it seems like a lot of work and most people aren't, like, ready to do a bunch of work at the drop of the hat suddenly. So, like, your your suspicious flag should really be going up if someone's like, oh, yeah, well, I just went and buried it. Right. Yeah, because, like, even if you're like, oh, these rural people have been up since the crack of dawn working their ass off, you, you'd be like, so what was the rush? I, I couldn't see the body? Did you did you even bring the body to a, a doctor or a hospital? <laughs> right. Like, that's that's the one little stitch that's missing is like, well the county doctor came by. It's like you, you need something like that to make it a believable lie, or like you need a doctor that's on the uh, well, uh, in on the in on the deal to to make it seem like well yeah I declared him dead. Well well Bruce does not seem like the uh, sharpest tack in the drawer <laughs> in general. Also, can we just talk about how Bruce is kind of the hero of the movie and is kind of an attempted rapist or like. Oh, for sure. Coming really close. Like, <laughs> twice. really uncomfortably close. Yeah. Twice. Yeah, he only, he only stops because she says no right. in a way that's, like, just bothering enough. Like, yeah. he has a little bit of a... Con- so he's... so he's a cr- I'd say he's more of a creep sure, than a sure. rapist. Would you, call, would you call him a creepazoid? Maybe. Creep. I'd call him a creepazoid. I'd call him a total, he's, yeah. Oh. Because he thinks <laughs> she says no, and that's what... No in a serious enough way that makes him stop. So it's like, sure, he's maybe he's an attempted rapist, but on the spectrum, he's probably closer towards creep. That's fair. Yeah. I was thinking about that as I was watching the movie. Because uh, he's like, he hears another woman screaming on the radio. Right. Uh, and then he's like, all right, well, that's all you have to say. <laughs> he goes, fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess I, I, I guess I, as a person of authority, won't uh, rape you in the middle of the woods. Right. Well, and there's that there's that bathtub scene too, where he gets uncomfortably close when he's like, "Get out right. of here! Why are you marrying him? Marry yeah, yeah. me!" And like pulling pulling her closer when she's like, uh, you know, naked in the bathtub. So there's yeah, 
Is Terry... Yeah, Terry is as close as we get to a good character in this movie. Yeah. Because all she wants is, like, hey, this person was good to me for a while, and, yeah. like, I'm a little mentally unhinged, but, like, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be loved. And then... But Bruce is, in his own weird way, almost as bad as Farmer Vincent. I guess he's not a murderer, so I can't really say that. Well, I mean... He's also bad. I mean, it's, like, <laughs> this thing where Vincent's really nice to her throughout most of the movie. You know, up to a point, of course. But, yeah. you know, you see up, why Up to that point where him. he sticks the needle into her neck. Yeah. And it's unclear if he's planning to actually uh, kill her. I don't know what his plan is with her. Cause I don't it's know. Like, Dude, she seems pretty pliant with you. Like, yeah. she wants to marry you. She's like, she's literally planning on... You already set up a marriage with uh, Wolfman Jack tomorrow. Yeah. Like, well, you're... I guess I guess he hasn't put the needle into the neck. He uh, they drug her champagne. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They don't need to. Well, when that first happened, they drug her champagne. I was like, oh, now he and Ida are gonna have a conflict because she's gonna try and yeah. knock out both of them. Whatever. After Ida already tried to kill her once by taking them both out in the lake. I think Ida either can't swim or says she can't swim so that she can kind of like try and drown her. And then Farmer Vincent, um, Deus Ex, uh, Hillbilly. Yeah, I think he was sleep. He, he was there so quick. I think he was under the link. Yeah. I think he might be a sea monster who was awoke. <laughs> Sorry, let me correct myself. What's no, all this no, thrashing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, release the Vincent. Uh, yeah, release yeah. the Vincent. So the hillbilly ex machina shows up and he saves her from the water. And it's like, but then later he's he's like, oh yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't on this plane the whole time, Ida. It's like, uh, oh okay, so we. What do you ultimately want out of her? Because you were he clearly brought her home to protect her, which means that he wants her to be part of the fam. Like I think the movie is missing a scene where she's horrified by the cannibalism and then they have she, to drug her. Like she is yeah, much she, a part of the plan. She does want to get out though. That's when she finally is like, Okay, well if they're eating people Right. Yeah, there weren't fine. enough red flags already, <laughs> but fine. Yeah, and she doesn't, and Terry's a weird character also, because she doesn't, like, she takes everything that Vincent says at face value. Yeah. She doesn't, there's no scene of her investigating the rest of the land and then finding the cabbage patch, which is, like, what any other movie would have. Right. Uh, yeah. There's no scene of that. <laughs> it's it's just this man, uh, Bruce, who we've already lost all of our sympathy for, because he's a fucking <laughs> creep, uh, and he's just trying to own her. We've lost all the sympathy for him, and then he's supposed to be the hero, ostensibly. I mean, you want him to yeah. win a chainsaw battle, at least, right? Yeah, um, yeah, it does kind of be like, okay, well, cannibalism's my bugaboo, I guess I'll leave with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, it's one nice. moment I was a little confused by was, I thought they almost kissed at one point when he saves her, and I was like, Really? This guy? Yeah, that's not earned at all. Yeah, no, it's not. Too. Yeah, he's an asshole. <laughs> well, also the whole... Uh, I'm skipping... We'll go back to the chainsaw battle, but the whole resolution where he's like, well, I guess I own this hotel now. Credits. Yeah, they burned down the hotel in credits. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not even... They don't even get a full shot of the hotel burning. It's uh, her saying, like, let's burn it or whatever, and then over the, the sign you see a sort of transparency of fire. It's a very, very strange way to end the movie. It's but, a it's yeah. a really sudden ending because, I yeah, like, one of the last lines is is him just saying, uh, well, I guess I own this now? Yeah, burn it. Exactly. Credits. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's so, a resolution. Like, it's yeah, so weird uh, that, like, the movie was like, look, we need to communicate transfer of ownership. 
<laughs> like, is that the only re- like? Is that one throwaway line the only reason that they're that Bruce and Vincent are related? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Everyone's gonna want to know who owns Hotel Hell, right. Motel Hell. <laughs> they don't even really play with the whole two brothers competing for the same woman thing. Like when they're fighting over her towards the end, it's just straight up like. Vincent gets the shotgun out. There's no like I thought she was my brother. There's none of yeah, that. Yeah, I mean when no. I mean when one brother's thirty and one's um sixty five, you know, they probably didn't have a close relationship. They didn't grow up together. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What well, you you guys want to talk about the chainsaw battle? Yes. I would love to. Please. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty kick-ass scene. There's a lot of wrinkles to it. It's not just like awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah. So Farmer Vincent comes out in the pig mask, which was already set up earlier. He's got the chainsaw. He's coming at them sort of uh, serial killer fashion, like slow and methodical. And then Bruce's chainsaw won't start. And <laughs> so it takes him a little bit. And then he has to, he tries to use a shotgun as a, to block the chainsaw. And he loses that. And then all of a sudden he gets his chainsaw started. All right, so someone's coming at you with a chainsaw. Whose first thought is, I also have to have a chainsaw. <laughs> I'd just be like, I guess I'm leaving or I'm going to go find my gun or something. Like, yeah, they, they didn't both naturally have chainsaws and then like kind of ran into each other and like, well, we both have chainsaws. Time Might for well. a chainsaw battle. It, it was like, <laughs> Well, wait a second. Yeah, this is the only way to even the odds. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty great battle. It's set up almost like a sword fight where they're yeah. like going at each other. And then eventually, Farmer Vincent falls on his own sword, so to speak. He's <laughs> chainsawed with his own chainsaw. Yeah, are there any specific moments of, the, of that scene you guys want to call out? Because I just, I just fucking, I love the energy of it. A lot of horror movies, especially slasher movies, which isn't really a slasher movie, but it's kind of drawing from slasher movies. A lot of slasher movies lose, lose the, the thunder in the last act, and this movie saves its best scene for like the last eight minutes. Yeah, one thing I like a lot is that it builds up suspense just a little bit because it's easy with hero versus villain battles of that kind to not have any suspense and be like well obviously the good guy quote unquote is going to win right you know and it's easy to do that but in this case most of it bruce keeps losing you know vincent keeps cutting him on his side or in the leg and they do a very good job of of building that up that he keeps messing up and that terry is strapped on to this conveyor belt about to be fed into it so i thought they did a great job with that also i love the craziness that so works in this movie of vincent in a pig mask just laughing the entire time as he's going after his brother it's It's just so good it so works with that absurdity and the animalization of everybody you know it's perfect yeah i don't i don't know who thought it was a good idea to put a pig mask on him but that's awesome and pigs are creepy as shit to look at i think in general but the way they made the pig mask and like how it all works together it feels like this must have been done in another movie just because it feels so right it feels super right to have a murderer (laughs) with a chainsaw also have a pig mask on and i don't I don't know why those, like, if he had a cow mask on, it wouldn't make any fucking sense. And I'd be like, this is no. stupid. But there's something about having a pig mask on. It's like, everything you're doing right now is magic. Keep I hope whoever this. did it got a bonus, seriously. Yeah. Uh, 
So I've, I've got a sort of funny thing that I know pulled the, the pick mask from. Um, have you guys ever played the game Manhunt? No. From a bunch of years Oh, yeah, ago, the, the, rock, Rockstar. the Rockstar game. Yeah, so it's basically like you're a dude being hunted and clearly a bad person and it's sort of a stealth game. So so it's a Rockstar game? But it's, yeah, it's Rockstar's one real adventure into stealth gaming. There's a, there's a boss in it, or I guess a, a mini boss named Pigsy. It's just a dude wearing a pig's head, holding a red chainsaw. And when I first watched this movie, I was like, I had a weird deja vu feeling where I was like, this is too specific. Yeah. Like, even his chainsaw is red in the game. And I was like, this is too specific. And I was like, oh, shit, I've murdered this person, like, <laughs> like multiple times. <laughs> I loved that game back in the day because I was a weirdo. Still am, I guess. But, uh, yeah, this is just a funny, it's a funny thing that... I'm sure that other people have, have pulled from the sort of pig mask thing. Yeah, you know what? I directly again, I didn't play that much of that game. I definitely don't remember getting to a pig mask boss. But I, if anything pulls from horror movies, it's horror video games. So I wouldn't be surprised if that is not the only example of pig masked killer. Oh yeah, yeah. My, I, I'm sure there's some shit in uh, the second Amnesia game, a machine for pigs. I'm sure there's plenty of like pig men creepery going on as well but i haven't played that one yet but yeah what is it about just a, a pig man what is it about that imagery that's just so unnerving is it, mm. is it just that pigs are kind of gross animals yeah pigs kind of creep me out actually for some reason <laughs> i think they're, they're very smart they're they're super smart but it's the way they they act a little bit like they don't really smile there's not a lot of expression on their faces i've noticed um it's pretty sort of deadpan. I mean, they're happy. Like, I've been on farms with huge pigs just playing in the mud. And they're happy, obviously, but, like, there's a lot of expressions. There's something really strange about the way they look uh, and the way they act. They kind of, like, look like people in a creepy way. Yeah. They've got, like, this pink, pinkish flesh. Yeah, people used pig body parts to do certain transplants. I think they use, like, pig valves on heart yeah. transplants. Yeah, pigs are very, like, they, they've got this creepy sort of, even though we, I don't know if we have that much genetic compatibility with them but they just like look kind of like a there's a, a fat strange naked animal <laughs> uh there's a clive barker story in books of blood where a little boy a juvenile delinquent basically an evil little bastard <laughs> re- <laughs> reincarnates himself in a pig to live forever and it's it's absolutely terrifying that sounds awesome oh it's every I read that book oh, that sounds so good it's a great book that is one of my favorite horror books all time i think also part of it is just the noise that they make is oh, yeah. super unnerving the kind of you know it, oh. it, it, it sounds like someone's struggling for breath in a really uncomfortable way yeah oh uh, which which is which is i mean any idea of like not being able to breathe or having trouble like digesting or that i mean that's like a visceral feeling that automatically comes into play and that's kind of the closest thing just it's just basically an animal that sounds like it is choking thing like that or has yeah, like fluid yeah. in its lungs so it, that's it, that's it, unnerving before i forget though uh you can either say i remembered this or i googled it but i guess the saw movies feature heavy pig maskery i didn't I know do- that that sounds right that would surprise me uh, uh, when i googled horror pig mask a whole different person with a pig mask came up and i followed some links and i'm like oh these were heavily featured in the saw movies oh one last thing about pigs being creepy their scream their squeal has this sort of I think it is a similar sort of effect that a baby's cry has on you yeah it sort of cuts through you it's not just like an uncomfortable noise it's deeply deeply unnerving in some way oh like yeah it never worked I, I, I would have trouble working in a lot of slaughterhouses but like a pig slaughterhouse sounds fucking miserable because well, yeah that squeal that scream is like is so 
strangely human in a way. It's it's horrible. Yeah, I bet. I've actually, you know, I bet that that's the primary reason uh, we may have come to it at the end because you know you, the slaughterhouse imagery. I think is is exactly right, which is which is probably why you had animal farms use pigs as kind of like these plotting geniuses. Like even just the name a machine for pigs like conjures up a certain creepy imagery. Like if I didn't know that was a horror game and hers, I might think it's a metal album. But um, or even like Pink Floyd's uh, album with their whole pig. It just feels like a slaughterhouse. There's just a lot of words you can put around pigs that make them seem creepy, I guess. Yeah, for sure. For they're, sure. they're probably my pick for scariest animal I can think of. And not in <laughs> terms of like predators, just things that are creepy. Just little little aspects yeah. about them. So, yeah, a guy coming out with a, with a pig mask, which unnerves you on some sort of strange level that you can't quite put your finger on, and then a chainsaw, which is something you can very much put your finger on while you're scared of. Sort of that mix is, is really potent uh, as an imagery. So, yeah, the last, the last battle kicks so much ass. Oh, yeah. Also, it feels like you could sell most people on any movie by just saying chainsaw fight. Is there that many movies with a chainsaw? There's definitely movies with chainsaws, but I can't really think of too many movies that have chainsaw fights. Yeah, because it's such a, it's, it seems like such a hard thing to pull off. I can think of one other one, yeah. but yeah. It's, it's going to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, isn't it? That's why you didn't want to say it. How'd you know? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, don't know. Maybe the I had some suspicions. on the title. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the reason that you didn't want to say what movie. The, uh, I will say that that's that's not so much a spoiler as a uh, sales pitch. Yeah. Watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 as a fucking chainsaw fight. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Any final thoughts on the end of the movie? I have a line that happens near the end of the movie that's my favorite line in the movie. So it happens after Terry realizes that Roy Calhoun is killing and eating people. She says to Roy Calhoun, uh, what right do you have to play God? I know that the movie is talking about, like, deciding who lives and who dies. But in the context of everything that, that's going on, when she finds out that they're killing and eating people, and he, she says, what right do you have to play God? <laughs> it's some pretty big shade on God. That God is known for killing and eating people. It's like, what right do you have to do with God? I know it wasn't meant that way, but that probably actually got the biggest laugh from me just because mm-hmm. of the juxtaposition of uh, when she says it and what they're talking about. Uh doesn't quite match up, I think, the way that they attended. This is uh, wildly off topic, but I'd have way more respect for Old Testament God if he was eating people more than just, like, striking them down oh, yeah. with thunderbolts. It's so intimate. Eating someone is so, is so like, personal. You're like, I'm choosing you as the thing that will make me stronger and me live on. Like, in Old Testament God, it's like he could throw a thunderbolt from, like, you know, a million miles away, and then, like, go read a book while he's waiting for it to hit. It's It seems rather impersonal. I'm mildly concerned that... I don't know what's more concerning, I guess, is how I should say it. How quickly you said, hey, I would respect this god more if he ate people. Or how quickly Connor said, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, Connor, like this was Connor kind of... on a wavelength. Yeah, like, this Fair is, way. like, a common thought that people have had. Like, Connor's like, oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, no question. I had a whole Tumblr about this. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think, you like, gotta see yeah. my blog, guys. <laughs> Godseatingpeople.com. Check it out. It's an interesting thought to be like, towards the end of the movie, because I feel like the movie wisely sticks away from being too preachy. There's no real, like, monologuing. It's just, like, little throwaway lines that you could either interpret as comedy or 
I think the reason it doesn't feel preachy is, yeah, because the lines could just still work as jokes. I don't, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't necessarily think that maybe this movie's supposed to be preachy at all. I think that the subtext is there. The director who, so uh, we never really mentioned that the person who originally was going to direct this was Toby Hooper. Yeah. Who, um, when it was going to be a straight horror movie, which is why people kind of align this with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even though they really didn't have anything to do do with each other at least initially they were just going to which i get like hey we're gonna make a movie with cannibals let's get the cannibal guy <laughs> like that was his niche and when the other director replaced him i'm blanking on his name he was definitely a workman uh he has a workman like career i remember when i looked at his at his imdb but he just wanted to make it funny maybe it's purposeful but i i mean i haven't read anything that contradicts that it's purposeful but i also didn't read anything in, in all the, the imdb trivia notes or the wikipedia page that indicates that there's anything no reviews mess mention the message like you're right it's there the subtext exists but I feel like maybe they were going more for comedy than... Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I'm just, I'm saying that the approach to its messages, because of how broad that the approach is, I, it could easily be something that comes off as, as preachy, especially something as emergent as the idea of vegetarianism. You meet vegetarian dads now, like suburban dads who are like, oh, I try to avoid meat. But like in 1980, you're not going to run into like sort of mainstreaming of, of vegetarianism it being that broad and that having that many references to it could easily come off as being preachy um and i'm saying it i, I, def, I definitely agree it's not i think it's it's just comes off as like goofy fun comedy that has a little bit on its mind i guess my point was just i'm not even entirely sure that they meant it to have a message it, it didn't even feel like they were necessarily trying to connect those two ideas yeah, I, 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 I enough. Connor, what do you think? It's, it's more playful than, you know, anything else. Um, but I, I do think that there was definitely a satirical message underlying all of it. It's just kind of, you know, under the surface. And it's a little like Texas, again, a little like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where, you know, the message is there if you really want to look for it. But if you want to enjoy this as a movie with a, with a chainsaw fight and a pig mask, go for that, you know, too. I think it's both both of there. Yeah, I think it's there. I just I feel like it's more accidentally there. Mm. But I could be I could be wildly off. So you know what this kind of reminds me of? Kinda Texas Chainsaw of... Massacre two. <laughs> <laughs> um, it kind of reminds me of uh, it reminds me of EC Comics sort of. Inspired. Oh yeah, a horror with a sort of if not a message or a moral, then like a horror with a sort of twist. The sort of big broad statement of this is like think about what you're eating and it, it, it reminds me a lot of creep show in that regard oh yeah it's, yeah it's specifically the this, stephen king segment actually to me i don't yeah. know why it's but. got this it's 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 got this sort of broad comedy sort of flavor to it but it never betrays the fact that it is a horror movie the stuff could probably be something similar to this the stuff is messier than creep show or this are both of the both the creep show and this have a very concerted sort of very totally controlled quality to it it also reminded me of if we're not talking horror I guess this is also sort of horror if the way you look at it. There's this adult swim show called The Heart She Holler. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> you don't consider that horror? It is. It's definitely <laughs> like it's Twin Peaksy horror where it's like so surreal and maddening that it's it, it, be, it ventures into horror and then it ventures back into some sort of goofy comedy. And it's uh, it reminds me of a quote that Pat Oswald said about The Heart She Holler where it's a Brooklyn hipster's nightmare of what the South is like. Yeah. So, yeah. like, right off the bat in this movie, there's 
gun-toting evangelicals, there's creepy motels, which is, you know, scary to somebody who's not from the South because, you know, you're traveling and eventually you got to stop and sleep somewhere, right? Or at least, like, oh yeah, you might, you might get a flat or whatever. Cannibalism, it's got sort of being taken in by a family and being made a bride, even though she's, like, this is weirdly like a, a woman in captivity horror movie by like a redneck family. It, it, it's so oblique about it. She doesn't even realize she's in captivity. It's like she starts with Stockholm syndrome. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. There, yeah, there's... no. She she immediately even like even is like maybe I should go. She says to some people at one point. It's like yeah, maybe you should. Yeah. Like, why? Why is this a debate? Why are you living <laughs> at this hotel now? Yeah, and, and they're they're sort of these hyper capitalists that are really love making money off of this horrible thing. It's sort of this north, like a Yankees fear of what the South is, but filtered through such satirical eyes that it's it becomes a comedy. There's even a loud redneck sheriff. I mean, what more do you want? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's funny you mentioned Archie Holler. That's a really good point. It's definitely that kind of high comedy soap opera kind of thing where everything on screen is patently ridiculous, but (laughs) it's just a little kernel truth like somewhere in there. I mean, it was shot in Santa Clara, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Connor, we figured out something about the the filming location just a few days ago, right? Yeah. Well, so what happened was... Uh, for all of you gentle listeners, the Santa Clara location of this movie, where a lot of movies were shot and TV shows, actually just burnt down like four days ago, just about. Right after I watched this movie, too, which was really strange. Yeah. Do you think it was your fault, Connor? Oh, no. I mean, it was totally my <laughs> telekinetic waves going forth. I think scanners, but even bigger. <laughs> well, the movie does end with it burning down. So maybe yeah. you were thinking about it a little bit. Oh, more. yeah. That's really weird. Yeah. It is really weird, isn't it? There's a sort of strange way that people align with events. And it's even stranger when you're like, nobody has been talking about Motel Hell at all. And then all of a sudden, burns down, just like the end of the movie. Yeah. It's, very, it's a very weird very weird time thing because we we planned this episode Connor, uh, Aaron and I got very excited about this show so we planned out episodes <laughs> very far in advance um, I think we have like we're, we're, we're essentially like, planned through the end of the year <laughs> well we're planned through the end of our lives basically yeah. uh, probably 500 movies divided up into different weeks and such and we picked this movie for this month and it's just very very strange timing yeah, yeah but it should be really good for our listen count Exactly. <laughs> so good. Um, There's never going to be a higher uh, incident of people Googling Motel Hell. Ever. <laughs> yeah. Ever. Actually, uh, Joseph Finn, uh, former guest of the show, kind of alerted to me after I had mentioned that I'd watch it. And I kind of assumed it happened a long time ago. And I made it kind of a joke about it. And he's like, no, this just happened. It's crazy. And posted the link. And I'm like, oh, never mind. Holy shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, one other thing I, w- I just want to circle back to is that the concept of like that these are like the hipster nightmares and i kind of disagree with that because i think that if a bunch of hipsters came down and found out that they were serving uh, meat i think they'd be more pissed that they were uh not free range and were like uh buried in the ground <laughs> <laughs> let the people Wait, we... run everyone like that's what people <laughs> want to do yeah well actually it's funny so i was about to say though this is like a california nightmare of the south because this was a hollywood production shot in santa clara with like a hollywood veteran as the lead 
Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. It's a strange, unique movie. It zigs wherever you'd expect it to zag. It, it never falls back on, on on what you typically expect. There's one moment very early on where you see Ida hiding behind a corner with a big cleaver, and then she ends up just tackling Bruce as a joke, because you don't know Bruce is like friendly to them yet. Right. You just assume that he's a cop fucking around in their business. The movie always zigs where you, where you think it's going to zag, and I think that's part of the charm uh, of it, because like... It's not wall-to-wall violence. It moves really quickly, um, despite that. Like it's not. It's not just like sl- like hundreds of slasher moments. And whenever you think that the movie is going to suddenly veer into like, well, now is where Farmer Vincent is going to start chopping people up. It doesn't. Yeah, this movie like openly defies convention, and I mentioned it a few times as we were discussing it to the point that I really, I, I mentioned a few things that I thought, oh. Now this punk band's going to become our protagonist, or now it's going to be a battle between Rory Calhoun and Ida. It's my favorite thing we do on the show, where we refer to some people by their actor's name and some people by the character's yeah. names. <laughs> Guys, we're aiming for the big time. Um, <laughs> uh, but, like, I really never knew where this movie was going to go, uh, and that is a rare thing. Be- and I think that's one of the great things of 80s low-budget horror movies in general is that they just kind of were like these weird products of people's uh, crazy imagination. They had to get by by limited budget. Like, no one expected them to follow any rules because they were such a niche market anyway. So I think you have all these quote-unquote trashy movies that ended up in these really idiosyncratic, unique visions that really just don't follow the normal conventions of storytelling or even even horror storytelling in a lot of examples this was a surprising treat and going into it not knowing anything about it like yeah i really like this oh yeah no me too i really enjoyed it a lot awesome yeah i'm glad you guys enjoyed it because yeah. I, I brought it to the table and i was like is this going to be too stupid for them and then I watched <laughs> it again i was like it's actually kind of, it's actually kind of clever in a lot of ways oh, yeah. um yeah also, um, we should. The, last thing I want to mention, Wolfman Jack was great in this movie. That was awesome. He was excellent I, in this. I can't think of a better role for a sort of fading radio personality than to be like, I'm going to tease the evangelicals that hated me. So, yeah. Sort of thing. It's pretty fun. Yeah. I'm a preacher now, guys. Check it out. <laughs> so, I sort of talked about a couple weeks ago, maybe how filming is filmmaking is a form of communication and how when movies defy conventions sometimes it can be funny uh this movie is a perfect example of what Aaron was talking about which is defying conventions because you know that the audience is expecting a and you're going to give them b instead and you know that they'll love you for it and as someone who primarily watches horror movies uh, i we've been trying really hard to keep the offerings on this show somewhat diverse if we're up to me and just my id level i'd just be like <laughs> yep and then we're gonna cover all the carpenter movies for two months and then uh yeah because we're doing thing. redneck horror like just know if you meet peter in real life the next five weeks he's gonna be sporting a pretty <laughs> big erection <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah november november we're gonna have some we're gonna have some weird sort of stuff it's not gonna be all horror movies but yeah so this is, is a someone who watches these movies a lot. The fact that it's not just wall-to-wall cleavers and faces really, really did it for me. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, do you have any... Connor, do you have any final thoughts? Any things that we missed that you wanted to... Any lines that you liked or just a- anything else before we wrap up here? Sure. I like this movie a lot. I love the warped feeling of it that, you know, it's very funny, but it's, it's less haha funny than this is totally crazy funny. There are only a few punchlines, but... 
They're all superb. I actually loved the conversation between Vincent and Ida when he says, I like these traps, you know? They keep me going. And I love that, like, he's just getting this weird, happy frill out of being active and and out in the world killing people. It's, it's, It's a very twisted take on something my grandfather would say, and I love that. Yeah, that's true. Gotta keep the mind sharp. Right, keep yeah. the mind sharp. Exactly. It's like it's like you either you either become a Walmart greeter or you kill uh, teenagers. <laughs> you play with, tennis. With fake cows. You play tennis <laughs> or you make meat. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Got to do options. something. Uh, yeah. The the last thing I'll mention um, that we didn't talk about was the, was the part I mentioned at the very beginning where I realized, oh, this is a comedy, which is uh, the completely depraved uh, swingers who are up for anything, really. Clearly, <laughs> um, yeah. they even get excited yeah. when they start being bound and gagged and bring in an animal. Like it's that that feels like super conservatives like version of what a swinger is. It's not just that they uh, have sex with other humans. They're into some shit. They've seen some shit and they're into yeah. it. Oh, that's, yeah. That's a super weird scene, but that's where I'm like, okay, this is a comedy. Thank you very much for coming on, Connor. No problem. Um, this was great. This was a lot of fun. We're definitely going to have to have you you back. Connor was a first-time guest, and it was awesome to have, have you on. It was like you'd been on uh, many times before. Indeed. So much appreciated. No problem. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that's 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 one of the help of like sourcing all of our guests as oh, yeah. like legitimate internet friends from uh, our Dissolve group because we may have never talked to Connor in person before tonight, but you know we've definitely had a lot of conversations with him in the past. So that's yeah, true. this was it does always feel like having like old friends on the show. Uh, and Connor, you are no exception. This was a lot of fun. Aww. So we will have you back. Do you have before we get into our our plugs and upcoming shows? Do you have anything you want to? plug anything you want to direct people to sure um so if you like post-punk or indie rock i'm the singer in a band tin flowers you can look them up on bandcamp or facebook we live in boston we play gigs around here check us out uh at tinflowers.bandcamp.com and uh look up cm crockford i have a couple short stories out there including one that'll be in the finger magazine this fall so look that up uh whenever you can that's awesome I yeah and know. we'll include uh, links in the show notes that'd be excellent too. thank you guys to easily direct people so yeah so so thank you so much so next week continuing redneck horror month is a movie 1980s mother's day which is a movie i saw for the first time last night i've never said this before but really think good and hard if you want to watch it and follow along with us Uh, I'll have more thoughts next week. This is the first time I will say that just because we are covering a movie does not give it some sort of seal of quality. (laughs) Uh, Proceed at your own risk, maybe. I'll tell you what. Read Roger Ebert's review and then say, okay, maybe I'll watch this because I'm going to have a lot to talk about next week. And I haven't seen it yet, so you're making me nervous. It was something. It was something. Um, yeah. uh, another thing about the show is that Aaron and I don't talk about our feelings about the, the movie usually at all before we start recording. So we don't have to, like, temper our own thoughts before we get there. We can kind of just go in, say how we feel, and blah, blah, blah. It's more fun that way. I already know how Aaron feels about Mother's Day. So let's see how this app goes. Um, <laughs> I'm not tipping my hat. I'm just saying, you know, proceed at your own risk, I guess. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll say this now. We'll definitely mention next week. It's very hard to pick a redneck horror movie that Peter and I both haven't seen. And we try to do that um, at least once per month so that, like, we're both talking about something fresh for the first time. And I saw this movie. It had decent ratings for the most part. And I asked Peter if he had seen it. And I hadn't seen it. I'm like, perfect. Redneck horror. Neither of us had seen. This will be a perfect, like, one one of those things that's going to be new for both of us before we discuss it. I should have done a little more research, I feel like. So, uh, that being said. 
Uh, after that is a bit classier of a movie, or at least more respectable, uh, we should say, which is Deliverance. Yes. Uh, it'll be really fun to get to dive into that, especially in, in the context of sort of uh, Rednecks Strike Back sort of horror movies. On Deliverance, we're very happy to have Michael Garnieri, who has never been on the show before, but uh, I've met a few times and is a very, very nice, very clever dude that we've also met through The Dissolve. Uh, I don't know if you guys are picking up on a theme. And uh, <laughs> Michael's a, a writer. You can read a lot of his best work, or at least a lot of the work that of his that I've really enjoyed, his particularly his uh, series on gangster movies. At It's called The Salute, so it's the-s-o-l-u-t-e. Dot com, and that's where a lot of former Dissolved commenters ended up and share their writing. And it's a really, really great site. And uh, Michael is a writer there. Yeah, he's he's also the first guest that we've ever had that, like, we cheated. That we heard him on uh, Joseph Finn's podcast, Try You Like It. And we're like, oh, we need him on our show. So it's going to be a really good yeah. episode. I, I hope I talked him up enough. I hope that he's better now. <laughs> he's also very nice to look at. He's and we know because he posts boy. a lot of pictures of himself in the group, <laughs> which is not normal something the people in the group do but you know when you're as handsome as michael just keep it coming <laughs> you know it's not just michael there did i tip him pictures. over into him i hope that went yeah no not anymore now uh, zach posts pictures it's a of thing. michael it's a you know thing. It's, it's, it's it's a thing he's becoming a, a meme now yep. so if you want to know what michael's yeah. face looks like no but yeah um, yeah let's let's spend a while describing michael's face now this is uh, i'm interested how much you're gonna leave in about us talking about michael because this got uh weird okay so, uh, yeah, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the normal places. You can also find us at uh, com. The WLTW stands for We Love to Watch. Um, yeah, so WLTWpodcast.com. Um, we'd really appreciate if you subscribed and reviewed us on iTunes. It really does help. Uh, get us out. I never thought I'd be the annoying person asking people to rate and review, but guess what? It helps quite a bit. So if you like the show and have a couple minutes, uh, yeah, go to iTunes and give us a star rating. And if you want to say a couple nice words, we're not going to complain. Tell a friend about us if you like us. Thank you so much for joining us, Connor. Again, this was a ton of fun. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. Have a good one. (laughs) 